You're listening to the Group X Podcast with Tony Zanardo. Today, I'm talking with Mel Tempest, owner and manager of Genesis Body and Soul Ballarat. We chat about how she got into the fitness industry, opening her first gym and its challenges, radical fitness and still fitness programs, and all things Group X. Thank you so much for joining me on the uh, the podcast. I appreciate your time. Uh, Tony, I'm really excited about this because you know that I am super, super passion, passionate when it comes to group fitness. So, so true. all of my congratulations on starting up this podcast because you're going to be amazing at it. And congratulations on all the downloads so far. Thank you. Thank you very much. We were, I think it was 580 something as of today when I looked at it again. So yeah, it's, it's happening. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, tell us, how did you get into the fitness industry? What is your your story and how did it all begin? Uh, I got into the fitness industry totally by accident. It is not a career that I, I sought out. Um, I worked in another industry. I worked in real estate. And then I my grandfather was ill. He had cancer. And I left that industry uh to visit him every day because he raised me, just so people understand the background, my my grandparents raised me. So I was travelling an hour each day to go and visit him whilst he had cancer and went through treatment. And that journey went on for around about 18 months. And he passed away. And all of a sudden I had all of this time left on my hands. And I had a, a girlfriend from the real estate industry who said to me one day, and she lived like an hour away, let's join the gym. Now, my experience at going to a gym was at 20 when I walked in and I did a, an aerobics class and the, the carpet was bright green and the, the crazy group fitness instructor had this crazy, crazy curly hair and I was all about <laughs> doing jacks and running on the spot and there was no such thing in those days as Corey. Yep. And I walked out of the class and I said to her, oh, my God, you know, this is at 20. How amazing would it be to be an aerobics instructor? And she said to me, why would you want to do that? So that was my last thought of that and the last time I visited the gym. <laughs> so, and so what happened was my girlfriend and I, uh, we ended up joining a gym in Melton called Mountain Superways, 21 days for $21 on a shopper docket deal. Love it. Yep. Love it, love it. So <laughs> off we went and I had a little toddler at that time, the youngest one. And so we did the 21 days and then it was time, you know, as you, you've got to join up and I wanted to rejoin the, the gym and I did that for a little bit longer. And then one day, you know, I was talking to my husband um, about, you know, going back to work and I didn't want to go back to the real estate industry. And I said, I'm, oh, what about if I go off and be an aerobics instructor? And I remember my husband did that, you know, how you roll your eyes, Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, he did do that. He did do that. And anyway, so I went off to TAFE and back in 1999, you went to TAFE for six months and you went a couple of days a week. And on the very, very first day, uh, I went in and there was all these young people there and I was known as the mature age student in my my mid-30s. So I sat down the back with all the other mature age students and the first subject was uh, physiology and anatomy. And I was like, what? I just want to do a step touch and a leg curl and... (laughs) 
do I have to know this stuff? <laughs> now, just for the listeners to understand, I dropped out of school at 14 to sell hot chips and dim sims. So where we, I'm going in to do this TAFE course, anatomy and physiology, and I dropped out of school at 14. So, guys, work that out for yourself. Yeah. Yep. Um, come lunchtime, Tony, I walked down the stairs, jumped in my little white car, and I was going to go home. That was it for me. I was defeated and I wasn't going to do this course. And I looked across to the left-hand side. Next to the building was a creche playground and my daughter was playing in there with kids. And I thought to myself, who am I to take that away from her right now? She was there, she was laughing and she's having a good time. And I was being selfish and self-centred and having a, a moment because I didn't understand physiology and anatomy. So I put my big girly pants on and I walked up those stairs and sat my ass in that chair for the next six months and um, just passed physiology, just passed anatomy. Yeah. But when it came to exercise to music, top of the class, top Love of the it. class. Love it. So that's how um, I come to do my course. So then what happened was, obviously, as you know, you've got to get work. And my first job was at the tennis centre as a circuit instructor. So I did that for a little bit and then got trained up in Taibo. So everybody remembers the big Taibo explosion and got to teach that. And uh, then I went from teaching at the tennis centre to teaching at what was called the YMCA. So that was like teaching at the five-star elite, you know, club in in the community I lived in and um, got trained up in combat on number one. So I absolutely loved my my combat on number one. Then got trained in step, had to wait for eight, body step, had to wait for eight months before I got my first fill-in class. Oh, wow. So you had to really earn your stripes. Yeah. sat in bed every night and listened to the old tape deck of Body Combat 1 and my body step training and I, by God, I knew those moves off by heart. Don't you worry about that. And anyway, got my first billing class for um, body step and um, absolutely nailed it and was able to get my first real class on the timetable. And so I stayed at the YMCA for about 18 months or so, and during that time, Body Jam was launched, and you probably remember that yourself. Yeah, Body Jam was launched, and um, I was like, oh, wow, you know, I want to get trained in this, and I I really could not dance. You know, if anybody knows Marina Digby, ask her. I couldn't dance, but I was passionate about dancing. So, you know, I did my Body Jam um, training, and I went to my and I know a lot of people out there will understand this, I went to my health and fitness coordinator and I said to her, I want to teach body jam, I want to teach this dance class. And she said to me, while you're here as an instructor, you're never going to teach a dance class. And I looked at this woman who was in a position of, besides trust, I also looked at her as being somebody that I aspired to be like. And she was supposed to inspire me to be the best that I could be. And we work in an industry where we inspire people. How could you possibly tell somebody who aspired to be like you that you can't do something? Yeah. And it just doesn't make sense. And, 
you know, for all the mums out there, you'll totally get this. You know, I was around about 34, 35 at the time and I had three children and a mortgage and, you know, like, you're telling me I can't do something and I'm in my I'm in my mid-30s. So I went home and I said to my husband, um, I want to open the gym. And I had no idea what I was doing. I have to really say that. No idea. I just knew that I loved teaching yep. Um, yep. and I loved being on the stage. And on the stage, I'm an extra an extrovert, but everywhere else I'm an introvert. And he said to me, Oh, how much is it gonna cost? And I just made up this number. I was like, it's going to cost $25,000, you know, to open up a gym. And so our journey um, as a husband and wife team started there. And so over a period of time, we purchased secondhand equipment and stored it in our house. And so we'd moved from a large home to a smaller home in our community because our kids were going to secondary school and it saved me, you know, driving that hour every day to get them to school. And so in winter I was hanging, washing up on the equipment in the hallway because we just had, we had this small house and my kids absolutely, my two older kids absolutely hated me because they couldn't have any friends over because this house was full of gym equipment and all of that stuff and they were teenagers. So there was a lot going on. Now, in this time that we were doing this, Tony, um, I was out of work because what had happened was the YMCA had found out that I had a dream that I aspired to be more than a group fitness instructor and so I was black banned and I lost my job at the YMCA. But then no other clubs in the community would hire me either. So imagine for like 12 months or so, being passionate about group fitness and wanting to open your own but, gym but not being able to access a gym. Oh, no. Yeah, so how bizarre is that? We work in the industry that inspires people to be the best they can be and here's a whole lot of people going, no, you can't do no, that. No, you can't do that. No. You, you can't do that. And that's probably, and even today, 2021, we still have that issue. Um, and so to, to sort of bring the, the story in a little bit shorter, we found the property We were going to move into it at the 11th hour. The landlord changed his mind. We then had to go find another property, and it was another six months before that happened. So we moved into a church hall that was around about 450 square metres. We opened up the group fitness room first, which was about 90 square metres. The rest of the church hall was being renovated. Um, We opened up with a card table and a cash, an old cash tin sitting on the card table. Love it. We had no toilets. If the members wanted to go to the toilet during a class, we had to give them a key. They had to run across the road to the car park of the church and use the public toilets in the car park. And this went on for about seven weeks. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. And then we opened up the whole facility. When I was opening the facility, in my head, my business model was because we were riding town, and I mean we were riding town, we were going to be the club that, you know, business people came to during lunchtime after work, before work, out of our corporate club. And on the very first day that we opened, that business model just changed completely because we had a queue that went from the front door, um, you know, way down the, the street. And the common theme of the people that were joining the club Daggy T-shirts, baggy tracksuit pants. It wasn't the crop top. Sorry, guys. It wasn't the crop top. It wasn't the short booty pants. It wasn't about the less fabric you wore, the more popular, you know, you were. It was real people. And it was then that I realised that our community needed a non-intimidating 
a fitness experience and I'd come from um, a community where the less fabric you wore, you know, the better. So our yeah. business model changed straight away. And from that day onwards, we've just, we obviously grew out of the, the church hall and into the facility that we're in now. And during that journey, there's been lots of ups and downs. It hasn't been easy. You know, I've had $3.60 in the bank to pay the wages. Um, you know, I've had staff come and go. I've had to try new programs, get rid of programs. And so, you know, it hasn't been easy. And even today, you know, when we opened, Tony, there were eight to ten facilities in our town. There's now nearly 100 fitness facilities in the community of Ballarat. Oh, so, crap. Yeah, I know. It's it's incredible. And, you know, great. I love it that people are going out there and having a go. Yeah. It keeps yep. me on my toes every day, and I'm glad that they, they want to do that. That's that's fantastic. But throughout that journey, um, you know, I, uh, you know I've owned the Radical Fitness franchise here yes. in Victoria. We had yep. different programs, and I strongly encourage clubs to always go out and look for something different. Don't replicate the club down the road because yep. you really will then only buy based on price or perhaps their favourite barbell class at 5.30 on a Monday night. Yep. So yep. we've done lots of things. We opened up Australia's first male gym. Um, so we've done that. That was a pretty big hoop for us to do. Yeah, and it's been a great experience. I've been able to teach overseas in different countries and I've been able to bring back those experiences and then pass them on to other group fitness instructors and, and my own team. I'm very Can passionate I about teaching. Can I just ask you a question then back on the, the only male gym? Yes, male, male only gym, I should say. What, yeah. what, go into that one for me. How did that idea come in, into play? How were you? How did you even get that off the ground? Okay, so it was like this. We had a lot of men coming into our, into our club and we could see by looking at them and by speaking to them, they felt intimidated even in our non-intimidating um, community. So... One day I just said to my husband, Fernwoods have got female only. Why can't men have their own facility? So we went about finding uh, a premise that was about 300 square metres and it was opposite Fernwood. It was opposite Fernwood and it was called Wise Guys Fitness. So in order to get that approved, because we just couldn't open the doors, we had to, um, we had to go through the Human Rights Commission and the Equal Opportunity Board, and I had to stand up and say why I felt that they should give me approval to open up a men's-only facility. And so my feedback to them was it was all very formal. We have people, men of different faith, that can't work out in mixed facilities. This is a place for them. LGBT community, yep. uh, which back in those days, we just called it the gay community and there's nothing yep. wrong with saying that. Yep. They also needed a place um, to work out and pretty much just said men deserve to have a place. Women do, so why can't men? We but, talk about being equal, so let's not say, oh, only girls can have that, let's have the guys have it too. Yep. So they pretty much came through after you stand up and you do the whole thing. They came back to us and they said, yep, yeah, absolutely. And that then led to new legislation. So if you go have a look at the uh, human rights and the equal opportunity legislation, you'll see where we've now opened that up for the whole of Australia, that people can have men-only sporting and fitness facilities. Now, that business was um, open for about 
three three years, and we still had our mixed club in the church hall. Yep. And the lease was coming up on both facilities, and like most club owners, I was experiencing a few staff problems in the men's only facility. So you would go to one facility, the staff would play up at the other one and vice yep. versa. Yep, yep. Massive big building came up that was a children's playground that I used to take my kids to. <laughs> and I said to my husband, let's go have a look. Maybe we can put both places under the roof. Under and the, yes, yeah. they no longer all male, but they would come in to our, our new business. And so we did. We moved the church hall mixed gym into the bigger building. We closed down the men's only facility and probably about 80% of those uh, men came across to our new club and it was yep. mixed. And yep. a lot of them are still with us now, 12, Brilliant. 13 years later. Yeah. I love that. I think it's great. So the the just I want to touch on the church hall there as well. How big was the church hall when you first started? How big was that space? Um, about four hundred and fifty square meters, and that was oh a gym, a cycle room, and a group fitness room. And I had to sit down with all the church people and tell them why they should let me rent out the church hall. <laughs> And it was the most bizarre thing ever. I rocked up in my skirt, my shoes and, you know, my jacket. And then they made me sit on the little chair that the kindergarten kids sit on. <laughs> and they said, and they asked me the question and I hadn't even, you know, like you practice some things, you know, yeah. and I hadn't practiced yep. anything. And I just said to them, well, I suppose it's a bit like this. How do you know people are going to come to your school, to your school fate and your church fate? Yeah. Well, you don't. So I yep. can't promise you people are going to come to yep. my gym. Yep. Yep. All I know is I'm going to do the best job possible. And that's Brilliant. how they let me move in. Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> so how long how long were you at the the church hall and how long did the the men's gym how long were they in operation for before you merged and moved into the big um, around about four years because when the when the big building come up my hubby said to me if you can find the tenant for the church hall we'll jump in and I found the tenant within a week for the church hall and off we went I love <laughs> and it. That, that going into the new building is a, a story itself so because it was a playground beforehand and it, had all, it was still full of playground equipment because the lady who owned it decided one day that she didn't want to do it anymore in the middle of the day. She just got up, walked out, locked the front door and left everything the way it was. So imagine getting up out of your business, walking out in the middle of the day. and Enough never- is enough and she's gone. Yep. So you know those big um, at McDonald's they have those big outdoor Equipment yeah. piece. Yes, yes. One of those in it had ball pits. So imagine, yeah, a 1,500, oh. or it was 1,300 square metres then, just a big kid's playground. We had to, because they owed money on their rent and other stuff, we had to refurbish the building around the kids' playground equipment because they had to auction it off to pay the debt. So for about three Holy. months... 
Yeah, I know. So we used to go from the church hall because 24-7 gyms weren't around then. We'd lock up at 9 o'clock, get in the car and drive to the other building and we'd work through the night and then I'd get up at 6 in the morning, go teach the morning classes. And we had to do that for about three months before the auction happened and all the playground equipment was sold and then we were able to transfer the gym equipment over. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. We even had our birthdays um, when we were refurbing the new place. My husband and I, I remember we sat on the floor with a chocolate cake from Coles (laughs) and a happy birthday. Love it. Love yeah, it. we lived for about how long, three. How long ago was that? What year are we talking about that, that, that I reckon moved in there? 2000 and would have been uh, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, I reckon it was about 2007. Okay. Wow. I know. Wow. That's, and I love that. I've been allowed to teach a body jam class. Brilliant. And you know what? Uh, <clears throat> you're teaching body jam now? No. <laughs> no, I'm not teaching body jam now. But yep. I did go on to teach it in our club when we opened. And awesome. a 90 square metre room, Tony, had like 44, 45 people in it. And I love dance and I love combat. They're my, yep. And I love freestyle step. They're my favourites. Yeah. So what has happened since you moved into the, the premises back then? What have you done in the way of expanding your business and, and what were the, the the thought processes and challenges you faced along the way? Um, so we built a room on uh, to our club that's about 280 square metres and we fought the council for two years to get uh, approval to build a room on a building that we own. So work that one out for yourselves, but we still had to do it. And that became our functional training studio and it's got some pretty unique equipment in it because obviously functional training uh, was starting to become popular. We had a small area in our gym that was functional training and we kept that operating whilst we fought the council and then we built we built the building on the back. And, yeah, it's got some pretty unique stuff. People would have to jump on our website to have a look at the pics and stuff like that. Uh, And that was we did that because, yeah, functional training was getting popular. F45s were popping up everywhere. We wanted to keep our members under our own roof, so we needed to service them with better quality functional classes. So, you know, we offer boxing, we offer cardio, we offer strength, and we're still going pretty strong in that area now. Um, We made the mistake of when we launched the back room of charging extra because, you know, every fitness business coach out there was going, no, no, don't include it in the membership, charge extra, charge extra. And I didn't want to do that. But I did it, and that was probably a crucial mistake that we made. Um, so now that that area is included as part of their membership, yep. and that has helped us keep the members that we've got in our club. And I had a lady not long ago say, well, if your members don't, didn't want to stay, obviously, you know, you were missing something at your club. No, we're not. Yep. We're a great club and we offer our members everything. You need to understand that when a new coffee shop opens up down the road, yeah. what do we do as consumers. Yep. Hey, let's go try the new coffee. Yeah. And so people do that with gyms. Yeah. So to try and lessen that, uh, we decided to include it in our membership and we were able to afford to do that. And so we've done that. Yep. And, you know, 
We've added, because um, now, you know, bar A classes are, are quite popular. Yep. We've added those and we've got those in our club also. So we're always trying to be innovative, not afraid to try something new. We don't follow the trend because everybody else is doing it. I prefer to go in the opposite direction and have people walk away from my club and go, well, do you know they do this, this and this? And none of the other clubs in this town do that. Yep. And I love people to speak about our business that way, and I encourage yeah. other businesses to do the same. Having that, having that point of difference. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, and, and and it was only a couple of years ago you went over to you you went from Body and Soul Ballarat to Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, as I said to you earlier on, the building belongs to us. Yep. So. When we purchased the building uh, about 12, yeah, about 12 or 13 years ago now, let's say 12 years ago, that's the day that you start your exit strategy. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, so anybody out there, if you've got a business and you haven't started to plan your exit strategy, you really need to sit down and start to do it now. Not when you wake up one morning and roll out of bed and go, I've had enough. Yeah. You need, yep. you need to do it now. Yep. So the, the objective was and is to become the landlord of the business that I started and the yep. business that I sell. Yep. So the reality is nowadays banks look at an independent club and let's just say Tony wants to buy Body and Soul and they're going to say to Tony, an independent club, and you're going to pay X amount of dollars for it. And the moment Mel walks out of that club, the value of the club has dropped because yep. Mel did 80% of the work in the club. Yeah. So that's sort of a bit of a dicey situation for them to lend Tony all that money. However, part of um, becoming a franchisee was the fact that one day when I do sell a club and Tony wants to buy it, the bank looks at, oh, so you're buying into a franchise. Yep. So Tony can't manage the business and it goes pear-shaped. The bank knows that corporate will come in and take control of either yep. a club or will find a suitable buyer or will do a joint venture with the person that's in the club. Yeah. That's the reason and that is the only reason that I became a Genesis franchisee. Okay. It had nothing to do with anybody putting any money into it. I solely still own the club 100%. Yep. It was yep. all about my exit strategy yep. and become landlord of the business I started. Is your exit strategy on track? Are you are you on track to to and do you have a time frame of when you want to get out or is it is it just sort of going yep yeah, it's there for the day that I'm ready to do this? Um, COVID got in the way of my exit strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, COVID! <laughs> um, yeah, it, it got in. It did get in the way. Uh, I'll be very honest and say. Uh, and I don't mean this in the ego way, so please nobody take it that way. I have a lot to offer the industry, yep. very passionate about, about what I do, and I know I can help other people grow their brands, whether it's club, technology, equipment, whatever. So the door is open for a buyer always. Yep. This has to be the right number. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's fantastic. It's good to know, and if there's anyone out there that is interested in looking for a club, get in touch with me and I'm happy to get you in contact with Mel. If the price is right, she may say yes. You just never know. <laughs> Love it. Mel, what else can you tell me about your journey and, and about setting up your gym? What, what are some of the challenges you face? I know you mentioned something there about the F45 and, and setting up the, 
the room and you had trouble with counsel, what are there, have there been any other challenges that you have faced that you can share with listeners and something they may be able to pick up on? Oh, absolutely. Um, so in that journey of building our functional training zone out the back, as I said to you earlier, we had a small functional training zone in the club. Um, I was sued by F45. So sued by F45 because when I launched my functional training classes in my club, I didn't call them F45. I called them um, 45F and 55F and um like most people, you know, back in the days, you know, this is talking five years ago now, yep. you know, hashtagged, you know, functional fitness, hashtagged 45F, F45, did what we all do. Yeah. And um, they didn't like that and so they they sued me. And um, the actual suing was over a hashtag. So everybody, everybody be very, very careful um, with hashtags because if somebody has intellectual property or a trademark, which I do for a lot of my businesses, if somebody was to use one of them as a hashtag, you can certainly be sued. And if you're saying, no, you can't, I'm telling you now, yes, you can. Jesus. Um, Yeah, and I was sued for um, $45,000.45. And there's a little bit more... (laughs) Is that because it's F45? I think so. And I think it was learning, it was a learning curve, not just for me, but also for um, the people at F45. You know, we had a local F45 franchisee that was just, um, just, you know, not a nice person, um, which was adding salt to a wound. And I think the people at head office at F45 didn't truly always know the true true story. And I found the people at head office um, okay to deal with. It was just really the local franchisee who was about to open up his um, his business. But time has gone on from that. There's a lot of water under the bridge and, you know, F45 have a great business model. Um, They've made a lot of money, gone on to the stock market, as you know, and good on them for having a go. Um, But as I said, the the lesson there is um, for everybody, you know, just when you're doing that and you're getting a little bit cheeky, just know your shit before you get cheekier because you may very well find yourself being sued. Yeah. Wow. And no, they didn't get $45,000. And 45 cents from you. No. <laughs> well done. <laughs> what a strange figure, though. That's, yeah, how yeah. bizarre. How bizarre. Yeah, it is. So, group fitness in your club at the moment, what classes are you running? How many classes are you running? Are you in lockdown at the moment? Um, so, we're on what we call probationary. We're allowed to out. <laughs> okay, yep. So we're not like Metro. The clubs are closed in Metro. We're allowed out. We do have um, a maximum of people that we're allowed to have in our venue at any given time. And at the moment we're not doing casual visits, um, Tony, because we are looking after our own community. So we're not doing casual visits because, unfortunately, when you've got a lockdown like they have in Metro, you do get people trying to escape from the city to come do gym workouts even if the club is an hour away. So we started saying no to those visits and we're just really looking after our own people. Um, We have around about 60 classes a week on our timetable. We also run virtual classes because we're 24-7. So shift workers and all that, as you know, can come in and do a class at any time. So uh, we have three group fitness studios. We have a cycle one, which also offers uh, 24-7 
virtual. We yep. have our main group fitness studio, offers uh, digital as well. And then we have our functional training zone. And um, that, as I said to you, has unique classes, but that's also open to sporting clubs, school groups, and our members can actually train in our functional zone when that area is not being used for classes. So that's a bonus. Okay. For yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, we don't run with traditional classes. Um, so we run with uh, the steel programs and uh, the steel programs uh, offer some great barbell classes, step classes, very good if you've got a lot of newbies. Yep. Uh, obviously, they have a combat class, which I teach all the time. They have a trampoline class. Are, we run- are they pre-choreographed as well? Yep. So the oh, great yeah. thing about yep. the, the, the steel programs is that you go off and you do your training, you get a DVD and you get the music, but they train you to be able to change the choreography to suit your demographic. Okay. So yep. Tony comes in at 9.30 Monday morning and does um, still tonic with me. Uh, but I might come back at 5.30 Monday night and teach still tonic again, but I teach it with the same music but different moves because my 5.30 Monday demographic may be fitter than my 9.30 Monday morning people. Yep. So I'm able to change the quarry to suit my demographic, same music, but I, I'm taught how to change it. So we've found that that has been really, really good, even with barbell classes, like the still training program comes with three different formats. So it's not just like one song is legs, one yep. song is chest. Yep. I can use one song and do, um, you know, back squats and chest. Next song I can do those three muscle groups again, but I add weight to the bar. So it's progressive. Yep. So I'm, yep. I'm given the ability with with these programs to teach them to suit my demographic and to mix it up for my members, and that's what keeps them coming back for more. We still teach old-fashioned tummy hips and thighs. Yep. We teach freestyle step, freestyle cycle, and um, we're launching a couple of new programs later on in the year. We still teach, you know, the basic hip classes, mums and bubs, older adults, and we've just launched a new program. Uh, everybody, please go look for Sub 30 Core Restore. Uh, great program for your new mums. So definitely look that one up. So what was it called again? Sub 30 Core Restore. Sub 30 Core Restore. Okay. Cool. I'll, yeah. I'll go and suss that one out myself and have a look. Yeah, it's really, it's really good at teaching not just mums to um, – because you know how a lot of mums, you know, babies six to eight weeks old, then they want to get back to hit straight away and go flat yep. out. Yep. This is about restoring the body, pelvic floor, before going and doing before. that. But yep. it's also good for older women who have damaged their pelvic floor. Uh, they can also go do the class as well. Okay. Cool. Nice one. And you mentioned on it very, 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 very briefly around radical fitness. Yeah. I've done a little bit of research and realised that you were quite heavily involved with Radical back in the day. Um, do you want to share your story around Radical Fitness and how you got into that and, and I suppose, your time doing presenting with them? Yeah, so um, Ruthie used to be the choreographer for Body Jam for Les Mills and she went off and... Um, went and got the job basically yep. with Radical yep. Fitness in Argentina because the people who owned 
we still do own Radical Fitness in Argentina, were the original Cory people for Body Combat when it launched Body Combat 1, just so everybody yes. knows. Yep. So she went to them to write Cory for them with her husband. And um, I just stumbled across the programs because I had followed her through uh, Body Jam. The programs were different. I liked them. And I thought, wow, everybody's doing Les Mills in my town. I want to do something different. So I went to them and said I want to launch your classes, and we launched their classes. So straight away we had a USP point of difference in our club. We had KeyMax freestanding bag with boxing bags, yep. um, X55 basic step workout, uh, power barbell workout, and Fight Dough, which was their version of combat. Classes went off. Everybody loved them. Was great, great, great. So then I was uh, had an opportunity to purchase the franchise for Victoria. Oh, wow. And so, yep, yep, purchased the franchise uh, in Victoria to sell the programs to other clubs. And that, that actually went, went really, really well. Was given um, an amazing opportunity to go and teach um, in Argentina and to teach in France under, under that brand and, and in Japan and in Japan. And extremely grateful for all of those opportunities. But the time come for us to part ways and um, we parted ways. Yep. They were great programs and they still are great programs. So they are They're, still around? They are. They are no. still okay. around. Not, yeah, not as big, tiny as what they used to be in Australia. But yep. there were just some philosophies uh, and their vision didn't suit me anymore and yep. everybody can appreciate that. Yeah, completely. So, yeah, so... Um, pretty much gave them back their, their franchise and was probably only a month or so out of that and a couple of master trainers from uh, Romania got in touch with me and they used to belong to Radical Fitness. They had uh, gone off to design their own programs, which is uh, steel programs, and yep. said, do you want to be part of this journey? And I said, hell yeah, because I love different and yep. I want to be. And I don't want to offer my community the same that everybody else offers them. Yeah. And so yeah. I haven't looked back. The programs are absolutely fantastic. Um, any club in Australia can launch these programs. But yeah. what I love the most about them is there's no licence fees. Yeah. You pay for the training. You get your music and video as you do every month. But there's no ongoing licence fees, which means as a club owner, I can use that um, that income and I can use it elsewhere in my business to get foot traffic through my door. Yeah. So how many programs have Steel got at the moment? How many programs so are they running? Just focusing on a barbell program, which is called Steel Training, a step program called Steel Tonic, a combat program called Steel Combat, and their trampoline program, which is uh, Jump, I believe, Steel Jump. Okay. And the simplicity of the programs mean that if you've got staff or group fitness instructors who don't have a lot of coordination, and this is an issue that we're all having recently, you know, because they haven't been taught to freestyle. They've just been taught to press play and go. Yep. These programs are fantastic for those guys. Okay. And you mentioned there was, is it monthly music? Stuff that comes out monthly or is it? No, sorry, sorry. So the music comes out every three months. Recorded. Okay, cool. Yep. Yep. And the good thing I like about the DVD is every track, every track is its own little video component. So it's not a great big, like, flashy 
um, DVD. Yep. yep, it's just yep. the instructors on the screen teaching you the moves, then you move on to the next track, then you move on to the next track. So you can either teach the classes as as they are in the DVD yep. or you can go, yeah, I like that, like that, but that's definitely not going to suit my 9.30 a.m. people. Yeah. So yep. then you can get creative and throw in your own moves. Okay. How long have Steel Programs been around for? I reckon it's been seven years now. Okay. Seven years. Yep, yep. yep. And the music has the, the sound effects so that um, the instructor knows when it's time to change. Yeah, yep, yep. So, like, so that's that's similar to what I remember hearing in the the, um, the combat stuff in the early days. Yeah, yeah. So, yes. like, and so their combat, they yep. still have the bowels and the all of that sort of stuff. So that's ah. why I love teaching combat because you yeah. do a kick and there's a yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yes. So people feel like they're in a real combat class. Yeah. And the is not overcomplicated. Yep. Yep. No, beautiful. That's nice. Yeah. Though. If anyone is interested, please get in touch because you 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 do some stuff with steel as well. Yes. Yeah, so I'm happy to train uh, instructors and get clubs on the right track. Yep. And if the clubs aren't sure, um, more than happy to do a guest class for them via Zoom. Yep. Or, or, you know, I can just say to them, look, I'll do a live class. I'll set it up in the club with a Zoom. You guys can log in while I'm teaching a real class and you can yep. check it out yourself. Yeah. So back on your club for a second, just now while I've got those programs in my mind going as well, your club is open. You don't have restrictions going on at the moment apart from you're on X amount of people that are allowed in. When you were in restrictions, what did you have on offer for your members? There's so much talk around, you know, Zoom classes or there's, you know, online um, the Les Mills on demand stuff or, or people just doing freestyle stuff. What did you have on offer for your members and, and how did it go? So we went to lockdown one and I just jumped up with my phone and recorded a class on my phone and then just dropped it on to Facebook because it had everybody come do the class. Yep. And while they were all doing the class, I was like, this is just not going to work. We yep. need to flip we need to flip really, really quickly. So we went straight into Facebook Live classes. Yep. Um, and we what we did in lockdown one was we actually ran the classes on our main page. So we actually had people in our community who weren't members of the club doing these Facebook Live classes. Um, so it was great exposure for the class great brand awareness and they were also seeing programs they hadn't done before. Did we charge for it? No, we didn't charge for it. I was doing the classes, so why would I charge? I didn't I didn't need to do that. So we got great foot traffic coming to the classes. Come uh, lockdown two, I sort of said to the staff, well, you know, the people need to see a different face to Mel all the time. And we would, I was teaching like three or four classes a day in lockdown one. So in lockdown two, I said, come in and do the classes. What happened was I've got a great team and they've been with me for a long time, but they weren't happy about teaching on a community page where the whole of our community was going to see them. Yep. They were happy to teach to their members, yep. but not the whole community. So we had to create a closed group page and we had to add our members and just our members into that group page. And so what happened then was some of the instructors started coming in and teaching uh, the members' classes. We, again, we did Facebook Live. But what I did, Tony, was in lockdown one, 
I went, I need to do something with the content. So in week two, I started dropping the content onto YouTube. I then used the YouTube link to drop it onto a new platform um, that someone had rang up and said, do you want this? This is new to market. Do you want to test it out? And that was the yeah. Fitter app. So I started dropping uh, the classes onto the Fitter app. So then the members were either doing the Facebook Live class and then could follow up and do the class on the Fitter app. So by the end of lockdown two, we had around about 350 classes on this Fitter app oh, that wow. were just – yeah, no, it was just just our club. And it's a pretty cool, it's pretty to look at, you know, and it's really, really easy to use. So it wasn't like I was giving them rubbish. And so lockdown three, four, five, and six, we've continued to do the same thing. Do the Facebook Live classes um, and then, you know, upload the classes onto the app. We've done a couple of Zoom classes when we do the MyZone remote classes. Yep. So the great thing is, you know, because I was teaching on the stage, behind me is a big projector. So I was able to have my MyZone tile on there and, you know, use my workout to coach the guys coach, at home. Yeah, yeah. So when MyZone, when MyZone launched MyZone Remote, we then said to our MyZoners, you need to book in for a class via the app and then I'll be able to see your tile at home whilst you're doing a workout. So I was able to, if I was teaching a HIIT class uh, during lockdown, I'd be able to go, hey, come on, Tony, you're in the green, you need to get in the yellow. So I was able to coach them because I could see see their tile. We were also able to integra- uh, integrate Zoom with that also so the members were able to see each other. We didn't do a lot of that because we felt that we had really good communication and engagement through our Facebook Live classes. Uh, The only thing I noticed, and I'm hearing this quite constantly now, is that with each lockdown, the attendance at a live class starts to drop a little bit. And so people start to go, I'll get out of bed later on and do Mel's class or I'll get out of bed later and do Tony's class. And so I saw the attendance drop off uh, and the energy and enthusiasm drop off the more lockdowns that we did. And this has been common feedback with all the clubs that I've spoken to. Okay. So... I'm gonna I'm gonna just get that through my head for a minute while I while I work on it. You were still you were running classes, so did, did your your teaching style would have had to change? Yeah, so you didn't have thirty or forty people in front of you. You just had a camera. How did you how did you go with doing that? Because I know a lot of instructors and there's clubs I've spoken to as well that have turned around and gone, yeah, we tried for the first week and then just went, no, no way, we're not doing that again because it was just too weird, so different. It's like no, no, no. we tried with the Zoom class and there was, you know, you look up on the screen and there's like you know 15 people or whatever or 20 people or whatever, but it just it didn't have that connection. We just didn't bother. How did you cope with that? Because it's so different teaching to a group of people to you being the only one in the venue teaching to a camera. The, the cues, I'm sure the cues and, and what you're saying and what you're getting out has got to be very different. Um, because I've taught overseas, I had the skill of having to learn to teach in front of a camera yep. and being complete. So that was a really big advantage. Because I've spoken to people that speak very minimal English, and had to learn to teach with my hands, I had that advantage. It's 
the problem the problem with instructors teaching to the camera and not feeling confident is that sadly a lot of them don't feel confident physically themselves so the problem is that they can see themselves in the camera when they're teaching whereas when they're teaching in a live situation they don't see anybody but the members so unfortunately we are our biggest our biggest critic though we're in the industry we look at ourselves and we go oh my god really my legs like that on my arms (laughs) Well, look at my posture. My posture is yep. really bad. Oh my god! Look at the way I squat. And so our mind starts to play games with us, and we start to critique ourselves in front of the camera. And it's not really about the fact that there's nobody there. We're just obsessed with looking at our reflection. Yeah, that's the absolute truth. Yeah, because the best place to test something out or to try something new is actually in front of that camera. Because when you're in a live situation and you test something out and it just totally stuffs up, you automatically feel the blood rush to your face and 40 people are looking at you and you're like, oh, shit, shit, shit. But when, when you're doing it to a camera, they're at home and they're so obsessed with getting it right and listening to Tony properly and was he going to the left, was he going to the right, that they actually don't see that stuff up. Yep. So I found that teaching to the camera enabled me to try out some different stuff with yep. the people at home, different yep. cues, different verbal, having to get down on the floor and see who's there and engaging with them more than what maybe I, I did in a live situation. Yep. So use that situation as a as a learning curve for you. Yep. You have to you have to get over looking and critiquing yourself and the way that you look. And there'll be people out there that will say, Oh geez, I don't know what she's talking about. I don't I look great. I don't care. <laughs> so, if you look good and you don't care, why are you complaining about teaching what? to a group? Yes. Yep. Yep. No, yeah, I remember. I remember back when when I was um, teaching indoor cycling experience for Network back in 2010, 2012, and part of the course we actually did then was uh, on the second day. You actually set the bike up in front of a mirror, and you watch yourself more there for an hour riding to watch your technique and making sure that what you were doing was was correct. It's very confronting. Very confronting yeah. when you you all of a sudden it's you you're staring at and you're looking at yourself and, and oh, wow, okay, yeah, I, I need to change that. I, my posture's as you said, your posture's crap or whatever's going on. Oh, my God, why is my ne- my left knee flinging it out to the side every time I'm pedaling? You know, that kind of stuff can be confronting. But I think it's overcoming that and then realising that, one, the reason why you're there doing it in the first place, it's not about you, it's about the people that are in front of you. And especially now, because it's so different, you know, no one knew this was going to happen. No one knew COVID was going to come upon us and this is how things were going to be. There have been some some uh, online training out there for quite some time. If you jump onto YouTube and you can see some bloody atrocious stuff out there, but also some amazing stuff at the same time. But it is that that very much confronting of a confrontation, I should say, of of looking at yourself, just being comfortable with yourself. You know, I think I think there is that that part of teaching differently because you don't have 20 or 30 people in front of you and what comes out of your mouth, you need to almost say, you know, not, oh, hey, guys, or all that kind of stuff. It's more trying to teach one-on-one yep. is the way I would look at it. So if I'm teaching and I'm going to focus in my head that I'm just teaching to Mel, 
but not only, not yep. just Mel, but also, you know, Steve, Sharon, Sophie, whoever it may be. So the way I'm teaching it is just to that one person because I can't say, hey, guys, oh, yeah, team, we're doing well, whatever, but there's only one person. It's not going to land. It's got to be done differently in that way so that person that has tuned in on the other end can feel that, you know what, yeah, Tony's actually teaching to me. Yeah, yeah I'm enjoying this. And I think I think that will help a bit with the, as you said, that you were seeing the, the decline of attendance. I think that as well with some instructors looking to do this, even for the what we're in our second big lockdown here in New South Wales, that getting out there and giving it a shot, giving it a go and looking at it in a different perspective or looking at it in a different way and putting a, a different set of eyes on things, I think is always healthy. Yeah, do. I mean, Tony, I still practice in front of the mirror now. Yep. And uh, I do that because, A, I, I want to know what I look like in front of the members. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 56 now and I know that um, there's just some things that you can't change about yourself as you yeah. get older. Yeah. And we have to be accepting of that but remind ourselves why we got into the industry. Yeah. I got in that because, you know, I love to teach and I love being on the stage and giving people an experience and remind ourselves why we're there. If you're there because of the reflection in the mirror, then you're in the wrong industry. Yeah. Yeah. You're most definitely in the wrong industry because we're an industry that has to and must inspire people to be the best that they can be, especially with what's going on now. And exercise is the only thing and sport is the only thing that releases the good feel factor. Yeah. And it's our responsibility to make that happen. And if we're not going to teach a class because we're worried about how we look in the camera, then probably the best thing to do is to move on and find another industry. Find something else. Yep. Yep. I think that the, now I don't know whether we'd say the fitness industry is to blame or whether it's the social media side of the fitness industry, but I think there's a lot of people out there that don't really understand what the fitness industry is or have a uh, blurred, might not even be the right word, but a very skewed vision of what the fitness industry is with all these images you're seeing of selfies being taken and all these fitspo models and all that kind of stuff that you see on instagram and, and on facebook well not so much facey but on on insta a lot of people getting into the industry think that that's what it's all about it's far from it far far from it you have a look at your instructors i mean back you know 2002 2003 those couple of years when i really jumped into the industry myself um the people that you saw in front of you were role models completely. True. You looked at them, but they were down to earth people. They weren't, they weren't these, this, um, you know, someone on social media that had thousands upon thousands of followers. They weren't someone that looked, you know, like a plastic rag doll up there or, or this guy that had bulges and bulges and bulges. And, and you think, yeah, cool, mate, you, you actually lift stuff, but could you run? <laughs> do, you, do you have a cardio fitness in there at all? And I think that a lot of people getting into the industry these days, and I, I say that from chatting to people that are doing Cert 3 at the moment or, or people that are facilitating Cert 3 and Cert 4, there is a disconnect between what I saw back in the early days, and I think what most of most listeners out there would have seen when they first jumped into the industry, to what the industry is perceived to be now. It's not all glitz and glam. Yeah. You, it is okay to be an instructor and have lumps and bumps in the wrong spot because it's about how you connect with your people in front of you. You don't have to have that plastic, fantastic body 
to be an instructor? Um, I've got instructors that work alongside me that are a size 16, size 18 and a size 20. Yep. And those ladies, those ladies are fit ladies and they probably inspire more women to take a chance in life because they're on stage putting themselves out there and making themselves vulnerable. And that's who we are now. We're a a society of all different shapes and sizes. Um, I think where the industry got it wrong was that they didn't stand up and and make a change. We are to blame for the fact that we're first to close and last to open in COVID. 100% agree with you on that one. You know, government looks at us as being a couple of steel weights down the back of the gym and some bicep curls. They don't know that there's a body balance class or a Pilates class or a medic. They don't know these things happen in our clubs. Absolutely no idea. And people can't say they do because if they did, things would have been slightly different for us. So we as an industry have ourselves to blame as to the way that we are perceived. Um, And until we go out there and put different marketing out there and a different message out there, it's never going to change. Yeah. And, you know, with all res- you know, with all due respect to the many, you know, fitness business leaders out there, we are also caught up in old school mentality and thinking and we're not progressive enough. And, you know, we aren't allowing talented young people to come through the ranks and lead our industry. Many people are still trapped in, in fear that they're going to be forgotten about. Yeah. And, you know... As again, all due respect, you know, you've a lot of people have given some great things to the industry and done some amazing stuff for us. But it's time for you guys, you know, now to be mentors and to allow the younger crew to come come through and have their and have their say and have their yeah. go. Yeah. Because um we aren't doing it enough. And, and it's very obvious when events are run, um, you know, it's the same speakers and the same faces and the same network. And you know. I go along and listen to them, and some of them are my dearest, dearest friends, but I also know that there's somebody 20 years younger yeah. that can can offer the same. Yep. yep. You know? And so we as an industry need to change perception, but at the same time we need to also grab somebody's hand and, and pull them up the ranks and say, yeah. hey, it's your turn to have a go. That was one of the reasons I stopped attending Phylex many years ago was because I started seeing the same thing year in, year out, just with yeah. a different PowerPoint presentation. It's like, hang on a second, I learned this last year. I come here for something new. You have the same person just doing it, just a rehashed version, or, or they delved into something just a little bit more than what they did the year before. It's like, you know what, as you said, give somebody else a go at getting up there and having a go. There's a lot of intelligent people and a lot of talented people out there at the moment that have got some skill sets. You know, there's I've just been introduced to a lady um, down in Melbourne that's doing some amazing stuff that, that started out with one, uh, one centre that has developed this program that is now starting to get more and more, and I think she's got five or six different centres she's running at the moment, one tiny little person. How come we don't hear about her? How come what her story is, and not so much her story, but what she's done in the industry, how come that's not getting shone? 
Yeah. Why is that? Is is it? And and I I mean zero disrespect when I say this. Is it because we have a a certain um, group of people that have been the business coaches or that kind of stuff for so long that are afraid to let new people in? Are they afraid that that what what do we do then if, if these new guys come in and people are listening to the new guys? What happens then? What happens to me? Yeah. Maybe there is a, a, a is an opportunity in in this space as well for the business coaches to look at an exit strategy. Yeah, as you mentioned with your business, it is something yeah. to sort of say to the business coaches, "Hey," and as you mentioned it, train someone up. Yeah, yeah. there's going to be a stage where you know I, I'm not a business coach, but I would love to get into that space and do stuff. And I'm, there are clubs I'm helping out, but I'm not. I don't have the the years of experience under my belt like some of the people out there do, but. I look at some of those people and I think, you know what, you're getting to that that stage in your career where are these people that are coming through that are opening up centres that are in their 20s and 30s, are they really going to sit there and listen? Are you are you as relevant now as what you might have been 20 years ago? Yeah. 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 I, I I agree with that, Tony, and I always say um, to club owners, and, and this goes back to, you know, don't worry about what the club down the, the road is doing. The one thing in life that we can't do is replicate the gift of the brain. So fitness business coaches shouldn't worry about other people coming into this space because they aren't going to replicate what you do. They have yep. their own way of doing things and their own gift. So let them expose that gift. I think probably my biggest beef with the industry at the moment, and I'm seeing this a lot uh, during COVID, is the amount of um, plagiarism that is out there. And seeing people take other people's content, tweaking it, and then selling it as their own content. And I'm just like, but dude, this person's been doing that for years. You've actually taken that from them. And I'm seeing a lot of that. And that, I, I, that really concerns me because I worry about the club owners that invest their money in those fitness business coaches who haven't even ran the style of club that they're actually coaching, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yep. And yep. I have a, you know, I had a lady come to me and ask me a question the other day and I said, well, what are you hearing from this coach? And she was telling me. And I went, can you just stop for a moment? And then she said, I said, are you talking about this, 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 and this? She goes, yeah, I go, can you just go look at this person over here because that sounds like their content. And she came back to me and she goes, oh, my God. She goes, I actually sat through that person's presentation because it was available on Facebook. She goes, this person that's coaching me has been telling me all of this stuff and is a friend of theirs on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, my God, can you please cut the umbilical cord? Because there is a lot of free content out there, Tony, that club owners and other business owners can get for free off Facebook and can go back to their own clubs and implement it without paying thousands and thousands of dollars to people that haven't got experience in the business that they're coaching. Yep. thing that I love at the moment is there's been a lot of emails that have come through to my work email address, mind you, not my personal one, my work email address <laughs> of uh, people that have, have obviously bought a database from God knows where and my, my email address has been on it that uh, they're going to help me reopen my doors, um, you know, after COVID. Yeah. Me this too. Is the, this is the, uh, the, what is it, the trialled and tested way of of doing things. And I'm like, how? <laughs> how is it trialled and tested? How is it trialled and tested when we're going through it right now? Yeah. Yeah. 
what and yeah. I'm going to be honest and say what clubs in New South Wales did at the when when the restrictions eased last year is going to be different to what needs to happen this year. Yep. We're not going to go back to the restrictions, and I, I'm going to say this quite firmly, I don't believe we're going back to the restrictions levels that we had when we reopened last year. It might not be the four-square-metre rule. It could be the eight-square-metre rule. It could be the ten-square-metre rule. Who knows? This Delta variant is so in, so invasive and, and so attacking everything at the moment that things are going to be different. That is going mm-hmm. to look very, very different, a different platform, a different whatever you want to use to that word there is is it, it's it's if clubs aren't looking at how in club, New South Wales clubs especially aren't looking at how they're going to reopen and what they're going to do to reopen now, I think they're already behind the eight ball. Yeah? Oh, absolutely. Not only yeah. what they're going to do when they reopen, but what are they going to do next time they go into lockdown? Yep. Yep. And nobody can teach them that stuff because nobody's gone through it. So don't invest your money. Don't invest your money in that because these people haven't gone through it. You know, and I'm probably upsetting a few people that might be listening at the moment. But, you know, why, why would you give money to someone to tell you how to do something but they've never actually done it themselves and we haven't even been through it? Yep. I don't even comprehend that. I think there are there are coaches out there that will have some level of understanding um, and some expertise in in how businesses run and how to be successful yeah. and that kind of stuff. But you're one hundred percent right. Right now, there's not one club that has gone through uh, a complete close down, a complete reopen without it closing down again, and the demographic or the landscape changing. That's the word I was looking for. Landscape, the landscape changing. Yep. Every time we go into lockdown and every time we reopen again. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. Yeah. yeah. The lockdown that, that New South Wales are in at the moment, we're here at week nine at the moment, it feels completely different to last year. And yeah. I think that I was talking to my wife about this, Rach, and we were saying that I, the reason we think that it's different this year is because last year when it happened, everyone went into lockdown. Yeah. This year, my local government area, Wollongong, Yellowara, is in lockdown. If I head south down to Nara, Batman's Bay, those guys were open. Yeah. Sitting here talking to his mates in Canberra, and Canberra were not two days or well, a week ago, whatever it was, were not in lockdown. Yeah. Chatting to some clients that are up in, in um, Cairns, Townsville, Mackay, that way. None of them had restrictions. Mm. Well, when we went into it last year, we we're all in the same boat. Yeah. New South Wales did come out of it a bit easier, a bit, a bit faster, a lot faster, I should say, than, than you guys down in Victoria. And we were feeling for you guys down there. And it's just, it's that different, different environment where, yeah, clubs, I think clubs really need to be looking at, okay, Gladys hasn't said we're ready to open yet. She's, in fact, said that it's probably going to be longer. Yeah. What can we be doing as clubs here in New South Wales to make sure that our members stay engaged now but also that we re-engage them when we open back up? If it's, if let's be honest and say if it's an eight-metre square rule, a lot of clubs aren't going to be able to open back up. What do you do? Have a booking time, or what time someone can actually come in? I know some clubs did that last year. That doesn't work. That you can't you can't run a business. You can't survive and reopen your doors only having you know x amount of people coming in compared to what you had before. I've seen so many clubs that have suffered as well because their what I class as their sleeper members didn't come back. The sleeper members didn't come back in, so therefore those memberships stopped, and so all of a sudden. Those clubs that were relying on that cream on top weren't getting the cream on top. 
all of a sudden, yeah, oh, wow, I've got to push hard. We've actually got to do something different here. And I think that's what my, I suppose my message I'm trying to say to people now is what are you doing? Yeah. And, and Tony, you have to agree, you have to be doing something every single day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It can't be, oh, no, they're okay. They're, they're, members are doing this. No, you need to be on there every single day when your yep. club is in lockdown. And if you're not doing Facebook Lives or doing content on Facebook, email them, text them, ring them. We did all of those things, yep. even the lockdown the other week. We were still doing it then. You know, I've spent thousands of dollars in, in text messages and stuff like that. But you have to because... They're not going to just go, oh, I'm going back to the gym that I haven't heard of. Um, You know, I haven't heard nothing from them for eight months, but, hey, I'm going to head down there. They're not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. They're just not going to do it. And the other thing people need to think about too is that there's a demographic that aren't going to come back until they've had their double vaccinations. Yes. That's the other thing. Yep. So think about those guys. Think about your older guys. Uh, think about the kids that, that that might live in a certain suburb in Sydney uh, because uni is there or they've been doing practical placement. Those guys are going to go home to their family. Yep. So there's a whole lot of movement happening. People, are, We've had a lot of people move out of regional Victoria and head to Queensland. Yep. That's not uncommon. You know, yeah. people moving. Jobs. Uh, like I said, students going back home. We are only now, only now getting our members back that had double shots. Yep. So they've yep. had their membership on hold since March 2020. Yeah. You know, now they're only coming back to us, not only just because they've had the two shots, but because of the engagement during that time. Yes. Yeah. They could have easily just pushed the stop button and said, no, I'm not going back to the club. Yeah. Yep. I think I think you nailed it with with some stuff you're saying around having that offering for your members while they're in lockdown, but also what stops you from doing that same offering when the clubs are open normally? Well, you, they're going to have to if they've got the square meter rule. Let's just say a room that normally has thirty people can only have fifteen people in it. You yep. still have to do the Facebook lives. Yeah. So. Yep. This is what we were doing when we were only allowed to have 10 people to a group fitness class and our room takes like 100 people anyway. Yep. Um, we had a, a little um, like platform stage thing set up in front of the stage. There was the, the camera and I was teaching 10 and they were doing the workouts at home. Yep. Yep. Don't think just because you're out of lockdown that the Facebook lives or whatever it is that you're doing, stop. You need, stop. To, keep, yeah. you need to keep those going. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Absolutely. With those, do you think that it's worth clubs doing a a different membership during lockdown? So I know I, have. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. What did you say? No, I was just going to say, so as an example, you know, 50% of whatever it may be. So yeah, we may be saying it's it's as a figure, 20 bucks a week is what their normal gym membership is. For those that are at home or can't get into the gym or don't feel confident coming into the gym can still do group fitness classes at home for 50 bucks less or sorry 50% less so 10 bucks a week do you think that's something that that the members and also clubs should look at is is that something that that is has got merit is there something that's valid in that if the option is there for them to attend the class and they just don't get a spot because of your booking system and they're still doing the class at home in that situation we did not do a discount yep because I value my time and I value the instructor's time and the club was open. I can't help that you never got a spot. Yep. If you, the thing you need to think about is 
if you drop your price because they may not get a spot, why would they want a spot if you're going to drop your price and they can do the workout at home? Yeah. So I'll ask you something, Tony. If you're paying me $20 a week and I said, look, Tony, if you don't get a spot and you do the class at home, it's only $10 a week, what would you do? You'd do the class at home. Uh, no, because I like that. I like the environment of having other people around me. But I, I think I'm different in that regard. how you hesitated to answer them, though. You still thought about saving ten dollars a week. No, 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 it was more. It's more for my head, sort of going. No, I get my head around that. It was more thinking: Would I want to pay a membership anyway if I wasn't able to get into the gym? If I didn't feel confident in coming back because I hadn't had my second jab. Would I still want to be charged a membership even though your gym was open? The answer is no. I wouldn't want to pay a membership. However, if you offered it to me at half price and I was able to jump on and do a class, would I be likely to pay that 10 bucks? Yeah, I probably would. So I look at it from that different different perspective, not just, well, well, I can't get in, you know what? No, no, you shouldn't charge me anything. I couldn't do it. But if if I if my choice was not to come back in the gym because I didn't feel safe. I'd still want to have access to something and I still feel that I should be paying you for your time. I think that's a bit of a each case is different yep. because I know, I know, that, and I totally get where you're coming from. I haven't had both jabs. I'm 55. I don't want to come into the club. Yep. I don't want to expose myself. I want to do the work at home. Okay, totally get that. But then there's generation 21 to 30 who with your walk oh, and save 10 bucks a week, I'll just do Mel's classes at home and pay 10 bucks. I won't worry about going into the gym. There yeah. are those people. Yeah, there, no, are. There, there are, there are. I'm, I'm thinking more. Yeah, you're right. There are. There are those people that would do that. They go, you know what? But then I also yeah. think of those and go, is it better to get 10 bucks off them than nothing? Maybe that's um, the, maybe that's the tight ass wog in me that comes out that I go, you know, that's the Italian that goes, nah, come on, cheaper for cash, give it to me. <laughs> uh, I can only say to you that in that position, your membership is your membership, whether yep. you're here or at home. Yeah. And if you want to opt in to do the classes on the app and stop your membership at the club, you're still going to pay to do the classes yep. on that. In saying all of that, we did an awful lot of free content for our members in lockdown one. Yep. Memberships went on hold and all of the classes were free in lockdown one. Um, in lockdown two, they had to pay to access the app and do, and do the classes. If they attended the classes on Facebook Live, the class only stayed up there for a very short period of time for them to do it on replay. The yep. class was deleted. They were directed to the app to, to pay. To do, so yep. there's a lot of accountability there. Yep. Every club is different. Every club's financial situation is also different. So is there a right and wrong to that? No, you have to just look at the club, the business model, the financial yeah. situation and what can be done. So, yeah, yeah, no, true. Hey, just one last thing before before we finish up. Um, Equipment-wise, do you did you guys rent out your equipment when in lockdown or not? Uh, in lockdown, one, we let um, some of our members just take it for free in terms of pump bars and, and steps. 
didn't yeah. have a problem with that. We had a very trusted community and then people that we didn't really know, we rented out. Then that stuff came back into the club in lockdown two. Uh, sorry, after lockdown one, we opened it, came back in for a short period of time. Then we rented it out in lockdown uh, two. Yep. And then we, because we were refurbing our club through both lockdowns, we were also selling a lot of secondhand equipment because we didn't need it anymore. We were buying new stuff. So yep. then we started to sell, you know, machines and that um, that we were replacing. We got stuff reupholstered. Um, I went out and purchased a whole lot of new escape steps. So therefore, I had a whole lot of secondhand steps to get rid of. So we sold all of that kind of stuff to our members quite cheaply. Uh, and even in lockdown six last week, uh, we just got all brand new bars and weights. So, therefore, we had secondhand body pump bars and weights that we were able to sell to our yep. members to do workouts at home. So, yep. we've been doing that consistently yep. um, and that's been a good thing because then they've been able to come to some of those classes that they weren't able to come to because they didn't have equipment. So, I say to any club owner, you know, when you go into lockdown, actually walk your club floor and if you are uh, got stuff that, you, you know, that, you can replace and you're able to do that financially, replace it and sell it. It'll go like a hot cake. Yeah. Um, start looking at your group fitness equipment. A lot of people need to be replacing that now anyway, which is what we did. You know, we put in a new floor, purchase new steps, purchase new um, barbells and stuff like that. And um, and you can just get rid of it. The members, the members will buy it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You won't find yourself stuck with a whole heap of equipment. Not at all, no. Yeah, yeah. Did you lent out, lease out your bikes? During that time or not? So we kept our studio bikes in the club. Yep. We did not rent out our studio bikes because, as you know, Tony, you know, bikes are very expensive yep. and I wasn't prepared to go down that track if a bike didn't come back. Yeah. What we did encourage members to do was to purchase studio bikes secondhand from wherever they could and yep. we did run. We did run Some Facebook classes. Bike classes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing we did, a lot of people had rowers at home. Yep. So we said to them, all right, come do this, the, the studio cycle class with me on Facebook Live, but yep. jump on your rower. Yeah. Jump yep. on your treadmill. Yeah. So when we sprint, sprint on your rower, sprint yep. on your treadmill. Yep. When we climb a hill on the bike. Yeah. Up goes the treadmill. Yeah. Turn the dial up on the roller. Yep. So just yep. get a little bit creative and innovative and think about how you can include some of their equipment at home into, yep. say, a home cycle class. Yeah. Yeah. No, good idea. Good idea. Mel, thank you for taking your time um, on this Wednesday night and spending some time with me for a chat. I really appreciate everything you've been able to share with us. And I, I love your story and how you got into the industry and what you're doing now. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Tony, and I love what you're doing uh, with Body Bike. I think it's amazing, just absolutely incredible. So keep up the good work, and if you're a club owner looking for bikes, you have to give Tony a call and grab yourself a Body Bike. Thanks, Mel. That's an awesome plug, and I didn't even have to do it. Love it. Thank you. (laughs) Good things come to good people, and you're a good person. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, that's all for this chat. I hope you got something out of it and liked what you heard. If you'd like to get in touch, head on over to the website, gripx.com.au. May we meet again.